Hey everybody, my name is David Spinner and I am a dad of two teenagers and I am just here talking to you about bringing positivity in your workplace, at home, in your family life and in your personal life. And this is Positive Directions. It's shout out time! every episode we like to uh, include a shout out to somebody that may have impacted us on the week or recently and uh, I'd like to throw it out to uh, Dr. Todd first and foremost our guest for this week's episode to give us her shout out. Yeah thank you. Um, So this is a bit general but I think I'm going to shout out um, to students. Um, That might be a little unexpected because we hear a lot about appreciation for teachers, which I absolutely agree with. But um, on the other side of the classroom are students who are going through an historically difficult time. And most of them are showing up and, and working. And um, it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing to do to not be distracted, to keep your mind in the game. They're still getting grades. They're still paying tuition or, you know, going to public school. So um, I'd like to shout out to the students who um, despite COVID and lockdowns and masks are still able to show up and learn. And um, I am there for that. So thank you for giving me um, a moment to, to highlight students. Oh, that's fantastic. And as a teacher myself, I certainly can appreciate that shout out. I know my students have uh, have been through a lot the last couple of years and, and they're, uh, you know, just plowing forward. They're, they're, they're really working hard and uh, they're showing the successes. So uh, despite all the challenges that they face both in the classroom and in their uh, internships that, that they have, which, uh, you know, in the field of social services, those are quite challenging. So uh, I love that shout out. For me, I'm going to shout out to a, a past guest following her on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and wherever. Uh, she's just killing it and getting all sorts of accolades through LinkedIn as a creator. She's getting it, uh, you know, through speaking engagements that she's, she has her first one coming up and, and all at a very young age of 23. So she's really, uh, she's impressed me in the last year that I've known her and met her through Clubhouse. And that's Danielle uh, Farage. She's now in Paris as part of her work. Uh, this, she's doing a lot of work from work from home um, discussions and, and she calls herself a futurist, a uh, Gen Z, a Zennial, all sorts of nicknames that she gives herself. But certainly she's really killing it out there on the social media and work and be on the lookout for Danielle Farage because she's going places that's for sure and I am so lucky to um, to know her and, and to be friends with her so that is my shout out for this week all right let's get into our material our conversation first and foremost I'm going to reintroduce um, our guest this week it's our second time joining the Positive Directions podcast and that's Dr. Jennifer Todd Dr. Todd, can you please just give yourself a little shout out to yourself, introduction, who you are, what you do, um, your whys, and then we'll, we'll get into our conversation for this week. Yeah, absolutely. First, I just want to thank you for inviting me back. Um, it's such a pleasure to, to be on this show. 
um, positive directions. This is a message that we need right now. So um, I appreciate that. So um, I am a doctor of public health. I have spent most of my career uh, putting the health of women and children at the center of my why. Um, I have worked for the government and, and now I'm teaching at university for about the last 15 years, teaching public health and communication at university. And um, in the last maybe 10 years, I have started to become aware of the issue of ageism. And I have also put women at the center of that why as well. So um, that, is, that is me and that is what I'm focusing on. Excellent. Yes. And I remember our November conversation, which was fantastic. And I'm, I'm excited to get into the, the meat of today's conversation. Can you just remind our, uh, our guests, our listeners, uh, the, the meaning of ageism? What is ageism? How, how would you define it? Um, and where does it fall on this? You know, we talk about so many different isms and we know that ageism isn't spoken about enough. So. Yeah, sure. Um, so it is um, ageism isn't uh, uh, an assumption that you make about people based on their age. And um, along with that is um, the way that you treat people based on their age, uh, opportunities that are open to people or not open to people based on their age, based solely on their age. Um, it, it is technically protected, but it is um, seldom uh, understood as a, a class that is protected. Um, I have frequent conversations with people that, while well, there's no such thing as ageism, and there, there unfortunately is, and um, it's not, it's it's not very well understood, and a lot of us, you know, being unaware of it, are sort of. Um, out of just out of ignorance, it, um, are reinforcing stereotypes and um, treating older people uh, uh, um, differently than we would uh, a younger person, which is um, which is ageism. And it's not uh, we have this. You know, when I say ageism to people, they assume, well, okay, you're talking about somebody who's in their 70s or 80s, but that's not the case. Um, I have heard from people, from young women in their 30s who have been subject to ageism. You know, it goes the other way, too. Um, you can be assumed to be too young, and um, that is also ageism uh, treated uh, um, differently. Uh, because of your uh, assumptions based on your age being too young for something. Um, but the, the difference between um, ageism because you're young and, and not there yet, sort of, and ageism treating someone because uh, uh, closing, out, closing people out of opportunities because they're too old is you can't age into... There's no way, once you have reached an age where people say, well, you're too old for this job or that opportunity or um, to be involved with this, you can't, you can't wait an age into um, 
you know, if somebody says, well, you're just 25, you might be ready for this job with a little bit more experience. Um, that's not the case if you're, you know, 50 and you apply for a job and they say, well, you're, you're just, um, I mean, I have been told that I was too old in a, a, a job interview, which is against the law, but um, it's not realistic to take people to court. Um, so um, that's that. It, um, that's sort of an overview of ageism. And, and so I want to just touch on that. How did you respond to that when you were told that you were too old? Um, gobsmacked. So I just, uh, first of all, I, I was told this by a young staff person who, um, clearly didn't, hadn't been read in that she shouldn't say that. So I actually was, I, I honestly appreciated the honesty. Um, because generally what we hear is, uh, you're just overqualified. That is the big one. Oh, you're just, I mean, we, great, great qualifications, really just a great resume, very, um, you know, uh, lots of, of relevant experience, but you're just overqualified. Um, but she just said, you know, we have a young workforce and we just think you're too old for our culture here. We have a young workforce culture, um, which, you know, that's, that's singling me out and saying you don't fit here because you're too old. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I actually appreciated hearing, even though she shouldn't have said it because it, it, I mean, it, it could put that employer in legal jeopardy. I clearly wasn't going to sue, sue, bring a lawsuit because it, they're difficult lawsuits in any case, um, any kind of, you know, uh, racism, sexism, any kind of lawsuit based on that is difficult. But I also, yeah, I honestly appreciated the the honesty instead of just saying, yeah, we think that you're going to expect um, more than we can afford to pay you, even though, you know, we talked about salary or we think that you won't stay here very long, even though the data shows that older workers stay longer in jobs than younger workers. Yeah, and that's 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 interesting because that brings up something that uh, that I thought about that that uh, I encountered. It, it wasn't ageism, in the sense, but in that in talking about how you know you may or may not stay in a job for a certain period of time. Um, I was told at thirty six that I may change my careers like four more times before I I end up retiring, and that was at thirty six years old. So, you know, at a certain point. You, you may sit there and be like, no, this is where I'm going to, you know, continue on until I, until I finish working whenever that is, whether it be, you know, retirement or, or just, you know, walking away and saying, that's it for me and going on to something that's maybe not work, right? Maybe it's onto some more leisure activities or passion projects, whatever it is. So, you know, I, I, I can see how that, you know, certainly later in life, you're going to be, um, if you're seeking a job, you're, you're probably more dedicated to, to sticking it out and, and being there until, until you do retire, whenever that is. Yeah, exactly. So that's a, such an interesting point. Um, so we spoke in November um, and we talked a lot again about, you know, later life job seeking. Have you seen any movements uh, in that area in terms in, in a positive direction in terms of, maybe people finding jobs and, and being more accepted 
those those that are in their later life? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, there, I you can't turn on the news without hearing about the the workforce shortage. Um, so I think there have been more opportunities open, particularly for older workers with specific skill set. Um, but uh, the unemployment rate for older workers and, you know, and for very young workers um, continues to be much higher than, you know, let's say 25 to 40, you know, the sweet spot professionally. And when you're in it, you don't realize that's the sweet spot. And um, this, I, I really have to um, uh, make this work. But, um, you know, a lot of the, the jobs that are open are, you know, in hospitality, service industry. Um, and I have heard from, uh, from uh, women that have applied for retail jobs or service jobs, fast food jobs that they have been turned down. Um, they think that they can't stand, they think that they can't work fast. Um, so again, it's an assumption about a person and I'm not talking about an 80 year old person. I'm talking about women in their, in their forties and fifties um, that are being passed over um, because of an assumption that they are, slow, can't learn a cash register, can't, you know, whatever assumption it is, it's based on, you know, an, a heuristic instead of based on um, giving the person a chance and finding out, you know what, they actually can do the job, they show up on time. And I, I don't want to offer this as a solution for ageism, because certainly these are women that are underemployed. If they um, not not just by definition, but, you know, somebody who has a degree in communication and has worked as, you know, a PR um, professional for 15, 20 years getting a job in um, retail, that's problematic. Um, but it's a lot of a lot of older workers are in pretty desperate situations. So if they get can get a job working retail, at least they get a paycheck and they can stay, they can keep their car or they can keep, you know, they can pay their, their rent or their mortgage. So, um, underemployment in women is, um, a really serious problem. So, uh, in terms of movement, since we last talked, I think that there, there has been some, but I think that what needs to happen is a sea change among older job seekers and older, uh, sorry, employers in general, how they view older workers and, and older job seekers, how they view the workforce and perhaps rebranding themselves, not in the field that they were in, but finding a new field, getting a little bit of training or doing, you know, hanging up a shingle and doing their own thing, because that's, that's where the job market is going. It's difficult to, um, to adapt those skills once you are, you know, later in your life and you're honestly thinking I'll be retiring in 10 years, but, uh, thinking I, I have to reinvent myself just to, to be able to afford to retire. Um, and these are skills that it, you know, 
I see in my students, they have already adapted or adopted. Um, you know, I, I have students that are in, in my graduate classes that are 30 years old and they have LLCs already set up and they're ready to go when they graduate. Um, this is a skill set that's new for, for most older workers. And um, so hopefully a movement in that direction will um, bring some, some new opportunities. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and that, you know, it's nice to see that, that, that there is some movement, but I, a couple of things, because there's two sides to the coin, right? You said the employers and you talked about the employees. And so what can you say or what or how can an employer learn? What, what do they need to learn in order to accept the, those that are, you know, seeking job later in life that they can be adequate enough other than, you know, just saying, yeah, they're good enough they, that they're going to meet the job requirements. They're going to excel in the job requirements, whatever it might be. But what is it that they, how do they get, how do you get them to make that shift? I think is what I'm trying to say here is like, yeah, get them to change their mentality from, oh, you know, they're going to leave. They're too old. They're not going to keep up, whatever it is to, hey, these are, they're going to be an asset. They're going to bring knowledge. They're going to bring wisdom. They're going to bring you know, experience to, to our uh, place of employment? That is, that is the question. <laughs> um, and that's what and that's I'm why we bring experts like you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it requires a genuine mindset uh, shift and it requires a lot of education, I think, and just, um, you know, raising awareness, which um, my activist friends would say is slacktivism, you don't raise awareness, uh, you educate, but um, it, it really does. I mean, human resources needs to understand that age is a part of DEI. Um, that, that's where we need to start is that they need to give everyone a chance. We need to start, you know, don't ask for date of graduation from high school. There is no reason that you need to have that. And it continues, despite the fact that it is against the law, it continues to be asked um, routinely. Um, and they will, I, HR needs to be trained in what, what ageism is. And it's, um, part of having a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace is having an intergenerational workplace. And it benefits us all, just like, you know, having an, a, a big tent and having, you know, representation from all different kinds of people and um, ages and, and uh, races and how people uh, identify with their gender it it makes for a richer workplace same is true for age and employers hiring managers need to understand that two things one thing all the and you mentioned this already all the the richness that an older employer sorry an older employee potential employee can bring to a job like you said you know, um, uh, emotional maturity and experience. And um, w um, if, if, if they're hired from within institutional wisdom, um, stability, uh, 
and and staying in a job for a long time um and then uh the second thing i got so passionate about number one um uh this uh, well, I'm just going to, okay, you know, listen, the passion yeah. is coming through and that's, that's important. That's what I love. I, I love the passion. And, you know, that's why we bring you back because you are passionate about the topic and, and you're sharing great knowledge, right? You're, you're, it's, it's, it's so important. And, and like, like, like my good friend, Jared, you know, my former co-host here on, on positive directions would say is that it's not, you know, a, a company can't just do an, make an initiative and say, oh, we're going to hire X amount of people of this age and X amount of people from this culture or this, you know, skin color or, or this ability or, or whatnot. It's going to be that it's part of a company playbook. That's what has to happen. It can't just be a policy, but let's make it a playbook. Let's play it something that's dynamic that, that will evolve over time. But it's got to be built into that, that culture, that underlying desire to have this inclusivity because it brings that diversity of thought. Yeah. And I, you know, truly believe that an intergenerational workforce is a more productive workforce. Um, You know, we have a lot to learn from each other across cultures, uh, you know, across age, we, we can learn to from each other. We can work with each other and, you know, I always believe that one plus one equals three and don't, you know, don't take someone off the table. Don't take someone out of consideration because of the date that they were born and assumptions that you make about what they can and cannot do. Absolutely. Right. And again, it's, it, they bring experience that, that could be unmatched by some of the, the, the younger workers or the, the newer to the workforce workers so for sure so i'm going to flip the question now and say okay what are you going to say to the potential employees who are seeking jobs and and how do you give them the confidence and and the and the know-how to go out there and get the jobs that they want even you know being later in life and how do they try to sell that if you will because they'll have to sell themselves like any employee would have to or any potential hire to to their employer yeah well, one is just getting past the the ATS, you know, um, which is, it, you know, it's any applicant's nightmare. Um, but if you can get past ATS, which, you know, will flag things like um, having having uh, jobs going back too far on your resume um, or if they ask you what what date you graduated from high school, we'll flag that. Um, so, you know, we talk about this a lot in, in sort of the, the ageism community, um, anti-ageism community. Uh, people add to their, their cover letters, you know, don't, uh, not don't assume they wouldn't put that in a cover letter, but I will bring not only skills in X, Y, and Z, but a wealth of knowledge that I have gained over my career um, working in the field of this and this that um, other applicants might not have sell themselves based on the totality of their, their um, experience and qualifications. But it's a, it's a tricky game because you can't say, you know, I've got, I worked here for 10 years and I have 15 years doing this and I, 
because you you can't this is one of the like this is this is ages amount work you can't highlight that i've got 20 plus years of experience working in this and i know this technology and that technology because then they you're flagged oh you've got that this person looks older um so you have to strike a balance you have to strip things off of your resume which is painful it really is painful but you i mean you can't have things that are older than 10 or 15 years on your resume and if you're in your 50s or 60s you've definitely got you know 30 years worth of experience and some of it may be amazing stellar um but you have to take it off because it just shines a big light on the fact that you're an older worker um and uh you're you're out of i mean you're immediately out of the out of consideration yeah yeah so it's highlighting the experience without highlighting the years of experience almost yes yeah it sounds like which i don't know how you do that but yeah yeah well it's it's really tricky and unfortunately it's very seldom successful um because it takes someone who you know somebody in hr or a hiring manager to have a little bit of insight into the fact that this candidate though it looks like they may be older brings a lot to the table and overlook um you know the 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 shortcut thinking that oh they're older so they'll be slower they can't learn new technology they uh, you know who all these these heuristics that people will come up with um, to support um, uh, a bias against older workers. Yeah, and so what's the the one sentence you can say before we shift, we're going to shift focus a little bit from this topic over to your other area of passion and wellness in the public health. Cause it does, it certainly ties in, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's looking for jobs and, and lack of wellness, but what's the one thing you can say to give them that, that hope that things are moving in, shall I say it, a positive direction, right? That's what we talk about here. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just have to keep at it. It's painful. You get kicked and you get, you know, shoved to the ground many times. Um, and you don't have to be an older worker to, to um, have that experience. Job, um, job hunting is, it's a blood sport. It's difficult. Um, but you're certainly not going to find a job, you know, laying in bed or sitting on the couch. Um, and I'm not, I'm not intimating that if you're not working, then you're just sitting on the couch watching TV. I'm talking about depression. Um, and it's, you know, it's really hard when you put an application after application and some I've heard from women who have been years on the job market, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of applications. It's really hard not to take that personally because, you know, you put it in a job application, that's you. You're, you're putting your best you forward, hopefully. Um, and, you know, if you, you might get a screener, you might make it to a couple of rounds, but you don't get that, that offer. And I, I tell my, my friends, my co my colleagues, um, in who are in a similar situation, 
you don't have to find 10 jobs. You just have to find one job. Um, and just if, you know, give yourself a day to be really mad if you get a rejection and then get up and get back at it um, the next day. Yeah, I like that. Right. The hope is there and, and, and the, you put it in the work for, for sure, because finding a job is work. Mm-hmm. Uh, something, you know, I think, you know, good will come from it. And, and that's such great advice there. So uh, those out there listening that are, are seeking for jobs and maybe you're later in life and you've met with rejection, you know, keep at it. Uh, heed Dr. Todd's advice. That's for sure. Let's shift gear to talk a little bit about wellness, wellness in the workplace and, and the other area, because it's, it's something I'm passionate about, too, being a teacher as well. And, you know, you're a lecturer in the area of public health. You focus on workplace wellness a lot. The last few years have been crazy challenging for your students, for sure. What do you do? How do you encourage them to take care of their own wellness and their own health and not just focus on, you know, schoolwork, 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 grades, 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 which is, you know, as a student and having been a student, before I, I know it, that's, you know, a primary focus. How do you get them to shift a little bit to say, like, I'm going to take care of myself, even if it means putting off an assignment or putting off something? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, as I'm sure you know, as an instructor, um, uh, because, um, the you know, these have been really challenging years, both because of COVID and what's happening in the, in the economy. And a lot of these students are most of them are working full-time um and they may be working in the service industry um while they go to school i have a lot of professional students who are you know physicians and nurses going to school full-time and then physicians and they you know they dial in for for class and they're in their scrubs and they've got splash guards and but they're there for um for class it's you know um, making sure sort of, I think as an instructor, giving them the validation that I understand this is a really tough time. This is um, a historically difficult time and give yourself permit permission to um, take care of yourself. Um, I, you know, I don't encourage late papers, but if you con, if, you know, contact me, let me know what's going on. Uh, yeah, I, it's, I, I'm happy to give an extension or let's talk through what's going on. Um, and in addition to, you know, COVID and unemployment, it just seems like, um, I have a lot of students that are just going through extraordinary difficulties more so than, than a usual semester, you know, a student who, who's, um, lost everything in a fire, including all the work that they were doing. And he was contacted me and he was terrified because he lost his paper. Like, you don't need to worry about the paper. You need to worry about you. Um, students who have very serious illnesses. I, I had a student um, defend her thesis from her hospital bed and she is terminally ill. Um, just extraordinary, these extraordinary students that um, show up, continue to show up for me. And I, as an instructor, it, it gives me an impetus to show up 150% for them because um, 
you know, what they're going through, I couldn't do it. And I'm going to do, I'm going to give my best to make sure that they get through the semester. You know, let's, and I tell them, don't worry about the grades. Don't worry about these couple of points. Don't, don't add anxiety because of two points. Um, let's talk about how you're doing. Um, so that's, that's been one thing that I've done. I, I, do you have to recommend? Yeah. I mean, again, I love, I get loving everything that you're saying and, and the challenges are, are similar for, for me, the students, you know, extensions and so on. And, and I always encourage them. And so to any of my students that are listening out there, but to all students that are listening to this, talk to, have that conversation with your teacher um, because you never know if you don't ask and you don't have that conversation, the communication is key. And if you don't have that conversation, then for sure you're going to be marked as having it submitted late and, and you're going to be viewed as a student who submits assignments late, which doesn't help, you know, whereas if you have that conversation, you, you acknowledge some of the challenges that are being faced, especially during this crazy time. I mean, we face challenges all the time, but, but with everything going on, the, the physical health and the emotional health challenges that we're all facing um, it's understandable that, you know, maybe you didn't complete an assignment because of X, Y, or Z, and, and that a teacher will be understanding on that matter. If you would say, you know, I have a, have a conversation and say, I have a, you know, I know I can get it in by this date. You know, you go in with, with a plan of action, teachers appreciate that. They recognize that. And they're like, okay, the student is serious. It's not that they're just going to say, oh, I'll hand it in whatever. They know when they're going to do it by, it's just not today. And that's, that's so appreciated. I know I appreciate that as a teacher when, when a student does have a plan of action. Um, I've been actually, I, I came across a really cool app that I use through Teams. Um, and it, it measures how the students are doing. It's, it's called School Day. And on a weekly basis, the students can answer a series of questions about how they're doing physical, mental, how are they doing on, on terms of their schoolwork. And then I see a little dashboard and it gives me a rating. And then from week to week, as the, as the weeks go on, it'll tell me if that category went up or that category went down. So I know that I could take a little bit of time out of my class and, and focus that on that. You know, so an example was one of the things that really was low for my class last week was the idea around diet. And, and you know, this is my students thinking that, you know, they, they haven't been really keeping up with their diet so well. Out of that came an idea from my students who generated the idea that they're going to start posting on our team, you know, our classroom site through Teams, uh, recipes, healthy recipes that we can share with the class and that people can then start using and getting more healthy. And we can encourage each other and check in on each other. So that's just one little thing that, that I thought was amazing, that they generated this idea of wellness and focusing on wellness in an area that was a challenge that I was able to, to identify as a challenge. So we'll see what comes up this week. And, and again, keep working on that. So it's called school day. Really cool. So any teachers out there that if, if you use, especially if you use teams, but you, you don't need to use teams for it. Um, you can use it as a web-based uh, app and you can get your students to uh, sign up and it, you know, there's no charge and you can get a sense of where they're at. And it's a good gauge, you know, because you know what, if you're going there and you're standing up and you're going through PowerPoint and lecturing on, on theory or you're lecturing on things that, you know, is super important. It's part of your class and you've got to do it. But if the students are, 
heads are not in that space, you're talking to, to nowhere, right? Exactly. You, you, yeah. They're not, they're not getting it. And then they're, then you're, they're going to come to you with questions, which is great, but that's because they weren't focused. So yeah. get them to focus yeah. by focusing on where they're, they're challenged first. Yeah. And it may mean postponing a topic or something like mm-hmm. that. But for me on my end, that's certainly uh, something that I'm always happy to do if it means getting the students to that place. Absolutely. that, And I love the sharing recipes. And it it's also shows mutual support. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I teach, like like I stated, I teach in the social service field and collective care is so important mm-hmm. within our department, but also within our, our, our students, you know, within each classroom. And so, so we do uh, focus on that a lot. Wow, what a great conversation yet again. Uh, you know, we're coming towards the end, but any last words that you want to talk about here, Dr. Todd, when it comes to you know, ageism, wellness in the workplace, a combination of everything? Um, yeah, um, I guess in closing, I would just, I, I want to focus on wellness because um, we are now two and a half years so two, I guess two years into a pandemic. And um, I think that a lot of people are, are starting to hit a wall. I think that, that um, people have, have reached their wall earlier than this, but I noticed that people are really, really tired and really um, desperate. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about self-care but part of self-care, you know, and, and the importance of boundaries and self-care. But I think one thing that we miss when we have those discussions is we as humans have to acknowledge the importance in others of their boundaries and their self-care. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important for us to say no to, you know, to projects that we can't take on or, or you know, invitations that we can't accept. But it's also important for us as humans to understand when we get a no or when we go um, and get poor service from a retail store or whatever, um, that, that person is doing the best that they can and they may be at their boundary. And we have to treat that person with kindness. We have to treat everyone with kindness. So it's important. And I hear a lot about the, you know, it's holding your boundaries and self-care and and maintaining. And that is all really important. But we also have to be mindful of where other people are in their self-care and take an interest in them. Not just like, hey, how you doing? But how, how are you, how are you feeling? Um, just switching out the word, how are you doing to how are you feeling catches mm-hmm. people off guard and it, it, um, signals to them. I'm not just asking you a passing, you know, how are you doing? I am asking you, how are you feeling today? And I am then opening myself up to a discussion about how you are feeling. So those are just some parting thoughts that I would leave. Just be mindful of um, the impact that a small act of kindness can have on another person and the importance of practicing those small acts of kindness, including respecting someone else's boundary and um, 
being a part of someone else's self-care. Yes, yes, yes. And I love the tie in between boundaries and wellness because uh, people struggle with boundary setting very often. And, and you know, Jared and I did a whole episode on boundaries in season one. And one of the things that we touched on, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back here because it's perfectly relevant are there's a whole series of, of myths about boundaries that I talk about in one of my classes uh, that we did last semester. And one of them that really touches on what you said is when others set boundaries, it injures me. Right. And we have to dispel that myth. When others set boundaries, it means they're taking care of themselves. And if we word it that way, we think about it that way, then, then we take the focus off you. It's not about you. It's about them and them doing what's right for them. Right. And then this, and then on, and then there's so many others we could talk about in terms of these myths that you flip it around and saying if I set boundaries I am being selfish. No, if you set boundaries you're taking care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. If you set boundaries, you know, you know others will hurt me or I will hurt others. No, and and if that's the case, then then oh well, <laughs> you know that's how I see it. If I'm setting a boundary yeah. and I'm saying no to something and they get hurt by it, that's a them issue. It's not a me issue. Exactly. It's because I, I'm doing what's right for me, and sometimes that's okay. Mm-hmm. exactly yeah so that's a, that's a great uh, cautionary tale to those out there who who struggle with setting boundaries to know that it's okay to set the boundaries and don't let others guilt you uh into changing your mind mm-hmm. if you say no yep right because your wellness is important and you're no good to anybody right if you're not well if you're not feeling well if you're doing something that you don't want to you're not going to be productive you're not going to do it you know to to the best of your ability and and well, that doesn't serve anybody's yep. purpose. Exactly. Oh, what a great way to close off the conversation. I love that. It makes such a great connection to a previous show, to our previous discussion with you, and now bringing that back and, and tying it in with wellness. I love it. Uh, Dr. Todd, can you just uh, share with our viewers how they can reach out to you if they are uh, they have some questions, they want to connect with you? What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is www jennifertodwellness.com all one word and i would be happy to talk with you about um you know ageism issues or wellness issues which are definitely um linked um i've got some short uh wellness videos that i would be happy to share and um uh just uh focus on body mind and spirit wellness um yeah. Cool. So thank so, yeah, thank you so much for for inviting me back. This is just delightful. I I feel like um we're kindred spirits and I could chat with you all day long, but alas, we have to go and grade some papers. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I got to go prepare for my class of this week, uh, as well as uh, some other meetings. But before we do that, it's one of uh, one of what has I've been told. So I don't want to toot my own horn, but I would say I've been told that people love the weekly parables. Everybody likes a good story, a feel good story, and the one that I've chosen for this week um, is about knowledge and the value of knowledge. And I think it ties into our conversation when somebody who is uh, a little older looking for a job and they bring so much knowledge that, to the workplace that then that needs to be valued. And so the story goes like this, that as its crew was preparing to leave port, a giant cargo ship's engine suddenly stopped working. 
the ship's captain then reached out to one expert, then another expert, but none of them were able to figure out how to fix the engine. Then one of the senior crew members contacted an older man who had been fixing problems with the ship's engines all his working life. When he arrived, he carried a large bag of tools with him and immediately went to work, spending time inspecting the engine very carefully. It took him around 45 minutes. Ship's captain and members of his crew stood closely by watching as the old man was working and they were hoping he would know what to do to fix this engine so they can get that ship up and running. After looking things over, the old man reached into his bag and pulled out a small hammer. He gently tapped something on the side of the engine and in instantly the engine lurched into life. Put his hammer in his bag, stating that the engine was fixed. A couple of weeks later, on the ship's return to port, the captain received an invoice from the old man for $10,000. What? The captain explained. He hardly did anything. So he sent a note to the old man asking him to provide an itemized invoice setting all of these charges. So the old man sent back the itemized invoice, which read, Time spent checking the engine, $100. Tapping the engine with a hammer, $50. Knowing where to tap, $9,850. And there you have it. It's the knowledge. It's the expert's knowledge that has the most value. And so you bring in experience to the workplace. You're bringing in knowledge. Dr. Todd, what do you think? I love that for so many reasons. Um, it's a perfect highlight of the, the value of bringing in a, a a knowledge worker with a base, a solid base of knowledge. And I also love it because I used to have my, my first car was an old hoop D car and I'd have to, in order to start it, I would have to mm -hmm. climb underneath it and hit the starter with the hammer for it to um, turn over. So uh, it brings me back to my roots a little bit. <laughs> That's great. Well, at least, you know, you knew what to do. You figured it <laughs> That's out. Right. So you some knowledge. <laughs> May have taken a try or two, but you got it. Exactly. So. Excellent. Amazing. So for all those listeners out there, uh, you know, this is a great story of sharing your knowledge and, and, you know, expressing that you have that knowledge so that you can get those jobs out there. Um, if you have any feedback for, for me here on the show, please feel free to reach out by email at positive directions podcast at gmail.com or you can go over to our instagram page at positive underscore directions underscore podcast where you're going to find all sorts of fun treats including including a very special ig live that i did with dr todd um prior to recording this episode uh where she plays rocket or block it yes uh for those of you looking for where the rocket or block it feature is that's where it's going to be housed from now on um, you will always find them on the Instagrams prior to the release of our episodes so that you can get to know our guests a little better. So now that you've heard Dr. Todd speak here, um, you can now go to our Instagram page and listen to uh, Rocket or Block It Instagram Live. We had such a good time. It was a lot of fun. And uh, then you can keep going there on Friday afternoons for the uh, upcoming guests and get to know them as we we start to find our rhythm here in season two. And with that, again, I want to thank you, Dr. Jennifer Todd, for sharing such wisdom, knowledge, and inspiration for those out there looking for jobs. 
that might be struggling to do so and, and maybe feeling that they're being discriminated against because of their age, just know that, that the jobs are there. You have the knowledge, you have the experience that, that you bring to the table and the employers are going to see that so that you can keep moving in a positive direction.